Welcome to the Pro 16 Plus 2020-2021 Funding Guidance Podcast. Um, in this podcast we will be taking a look at Programme of Study, uh, the National Funding Rate and the Basic Funding Bands information. Um, if we start off with Programme of Study, uh, that effectively is what the learners that you've got on board are doing. Um, so you need to be recording within the programme to do both the qualification and the non-qualification activity and putting that into a number of hours. So the sort of information you need to be bearing in mind there is the level of study that the learner is on, are they properly enrolled on the appropriate maths and English GCSE reset if required, um, what are their learning aims? Are they on an academic pathway? Are they on a vocational pathway? Are they on a mixed pathway? And through that information, it will inform the decision that you make around whether you're going to put the, the learner down as an academic learner or a vocational learner. So again, this is a case of, of knowing exactly what your learner is doing and effectively recording it. Um, and when I talk about this, we're not purely looking at doing this for the October census. You have to put the information together for the entire year. So something that arrives after census day, you still need to go through this process of making those decisions of what the learner is doing. Are they an academic or a vocational learner? What are the number of hours that they're doing in terms of qualification hours and non-qualification hours? So, so when we look at the basic programme of study, it, it falls into effectively two parts. One is the qualification activity. So those are aims which the ESFA fund and you can find the details of each one of the aims and the advised hours for those within the hub reference uh, database. Typically for an A-level size unit you're looking at 150 to 180 hours per year. Um, so that, that's what you're looking to, to get down um, and develop a, a study programme which covers qualification and non-qualification activity. We're often asked what constitutes non-qualification activity. Well, it's actually anything that you do which has a cost to you, which is of benefit to the learner. Um, so anything which you are organising, anything which you are planning, anything which involves a cost, and that, that can be as simple as providing a room for something to happen in. So to be included in there, we have all the normal tutor time activities, all the careers activity, uh, any mentoring work that they do with the lower end of school which is planned and, and organised by the school. Um, it can be Duke of Edinburgh activity. Um, however, it shouldn't be standard volunteering or it shouldn't be work which the learner has got themselves as a, as a part-time job. The work experience can form part of the programme of study and effectively one of the uh, situations is that you should always be looking to offer some degree of work experience and, and that's something that you may have to, to consider putting in that programme of study. So there we have the, the outline of what the programme of study is. It is a combination of qualification and non-qualification activity. Under the previous funding regime what happened was every time you put down a learner on a qualification a set number of guided learning hours were put down against it and when you reached a certain level of guided learning hours what was called the entitlement was triggered which was effectively the non-qualification activity. Um, you have greater flexibility with programmes of study because you can 
increase the amount of non-qualification activity for a learner who may not be capable of doing a full three A-level package. You could put them on a two A-level program and have increased amounts of non-qualification activity, which will allow them to be a full-time learner. So what do we mean by full-time learners? Um, a full-time learner is defined also by age. So the 16 and 17 year olds, which are your traditional year 12 and year 13, become full-time when they trigger 540 hours in any single academic year. Um, and the current funding rate for that is £4,188 per year. The band four is actually split into two elements. A band four A, which is for all 18 and 19 year old learners, so that will be year 14 and year 15. Because they are deemed to have had two years of post 16 education already, they're deemed not to require as much non-qualification support and therefore they become a full-time learner having had 450 plus hours and they receive £3,455. Uh, the band 4B is for the 16 and 17 year old learners and that's when they have a, a study programme of between 450 and 539 hours. As we move further down the bands, band 3 is between 360 and 449 hours and that's at £2,827. And for the band 2, it is from 280 to 359 hours, which is £2,234. Band 1 learners are up to 279 hours, and they are funded at the rate of £4,188 per full-time equivalent. But that full-time equivalent is actually based on 600 hours. So you, you put the number of hours that the learner is doing, divide it by 600, and that is the the full-time equivalence of that particular learner. 600 hours is actually very, very important here because although the band five rate is triggered by 540, ESFA make the assumption that a full-time learner on a two-year typical 3A level programme will have a study programme of 1,200 hours across the two years. You may recall that last year was the first year in the census where we had to record the hours for the, that we were planning for the previous year and the hours that we had planned for the, where they had the hours for the year that was to come being planned and for the hours that were for the previous year. So you actually had the combined total. So for your year 13, you recorded both a year 12 and a year 13 hours. And that should have been around 1200 hours. You should be putting a, a check in place around that to make sure you are meeting that provision because as sure as eggs are eggs, some way along the line, ESFA will look at that and say, we anticipated 1200 hours, you've not done 1200 hours across two years and we're going to claw back some funding. So that's something that you need to be aware of and need to build into your plans. Um, when you are enrolling within the census, if the intention is that the learner will do a linear A-level programme, you record it as a two-year programme. If the intention is that the learner will sit an AS level, then you record it as an AS with the end of the programme at the end of that particular year. However, because of the additional guidance which has come out with regard to the high value content programme, the HVCP, 
you should now also be recording the fact that the learner intends to go on the two-year A-level programme following the AS. In effect, the AS being the first year of a two-year programme. And that way, you will be included in the HBC pre premium, but you haven't got to record the hours twice over. So that's, that's one thing you need to, to have in mind. One of the things that we often get asked around the study programme is what happens when the, the hours change? Well, effectively, we need to be really clear on this. You record at the beginning what your plans are that the learner will do. So those are your planned learning hours. The only instance you should make a change to those planned learning hours in years is if within the first 42 days there is a significant change which means that the learner will move to a different funding band. Then you will make the change. This year, the funding rates document clearly states that if you have made a mistake, you don't make an adjustment in the census this year, but you adjust it in the following year when you record two years of, um, of study programme information in the census. So if you've got it wrong, you make the change retrospectively. If the learner leaves part way through the year, again, you don't make an adjustment of the hours. The hours are what you plan to deliver, and the funding adjustment is done through the retention factor. So you don't you don't make an adjustment there. Um, the other thing you need to be aware of is when the learner starts a program after census day, you should still go through this entire process. You should record not only the, the program of study that the learner is intending to do in terms of qualification and non-qualification hours you should record those hours as well and again that is a, a change to this year's guidance that you need to be doing that so any learner that comes after census day within your MI system you need to be recording that and then it will go into the following year's census collection and be part of that particular process so from a strategic point of view what are we, what are we looking to do we're looking to make sure that the majority of our learners are in band 5 if they are aged 16 and 17, the traditional year 12 and year 13, or they are in band 4A if they are in year 14 or above. So that's where the, all your learners should be. You may have the occasional learner who may be in band 1 or 2 where they come back to study an AIM. Or they're just completing an AIM or just doing a single AIM in a, in a year. So effectively you should know who is not a full-time learner and why they are not full-time learners when, when i talk there about a learner coming back to study at aim in theory a learner who has undertaken the aim and been funded for the aim should not be funded again particularly if that is merely to improve a grade so for instance a learner has needs an A to get in to do the, the medical course that they want, they got a B and they want to come back to improve the B to get an A. That is not funded and shouldn't be funded. If the learner has failed for reasons or performed very badly for reasons outside of their control, exceptional circumstances, then they can repeat the aim. What we, we have to be aware of here is how ESFA go about recognising what they call the unusual programme delivery, um, an unexpected programme. 
Effectively, if you have more than 5% of your learning aims in total as repeated aims, when you exclude the GCSE Maths and English retakes, it will raise a red flag with the SFA. So the odd learner coming back to repeat an aim will not draw a red flag from ESFA. But if you are repeating all the aims in a subject or you are repeating all the aims of a particular year group, then you will fall foul of ESFA and you will have to submit the unusual delivery pattern report. So that, that's where we are. So strategy-wise, it's going to be band 5, band 4A. You should be looking at using the programme of study information to inform your decision on whether the learner is academic or vocational. And you should also be looking at that information to determine if the year 12 and 13, so the year 13s with a year 12 combined, have achieved 1200 hours. And if not, then you make the adjustment to make sure they have because you don't want to leave yourself exposed. It's one of the simple things to get right. Um, but everybody who isn't in the optimum funding bands of 5 and 4A, the head of 6 form should know about and have the explanation as to why that learner is not a full-time learner. Why, why we're in that situation, it could be, as I said, because they've come back to complete it. One particular aim, you've taken them back, or they performed, they were ill on the day of the, the exam, perform badly and they've come back to just to do that particular one so it could be a single aim or it could be somebody that went through a process of they started off doing two A levels in year 12 in year 13 they then completed the two A levels began a, a third A level and they've come back in year 14 to complete that final that final A level that's why they're on a shorter program so that's where we are in terms of programme of study, where we are in terms of funding band um, and we'll be back in a few days with the next one. Thank you.